Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. I want to talk about the support after crime services. This is in Cork because the head of the group there fears that a new bill criminalising, this is the recruitment of children into gangs, won't achieve its aims unless parents are also held to account. And I want to hear your thoughts on this today. Should parents be held accountable for their children's uh, activity or involvement in antisocial behaviour and crimes. Sally Hanlon is the founding member and director of services for the support after crime services. Sally, can you just explain, first of all, um, why you think parents should be held to account? Well, parents, the word parent is a parent of the child that's involved. And they bring them into the world. So they have a responsibility. And if they have responsibility, then they have accountability. So if they're letting their children roam, get into crime, get into gangs, knowingly, now I'm using the word knowingly, uh, therefore, they they have to be accountable. And how can you you prove, like, how would you know whether, you know what I mean, whether they've knowingly allowed this to happen? Or being aware well, of it. Well, right, if you have children, and children as young as 12, 14, 15, are getting involved in crime, if you're observing your child, if you know where your child is, who your child is mixing with, if you know that your child is has extra funding, for want of a better word, has extra clothing, or is bringing home stuff that they possibly couldn't afford, well, there's a onus on the parent to question that. Where did you get it? You know, and, and see where it's gone. Now, I mean, the bill is saying that the uh, child, juvenile, uh, could be uh, enticed or forced or required to give evidence against the groomer. Well, no child is going to give evidence against the parent. And if the outside groomer, head of the gang that they've got involved with, they're not going to give evidence there either because they want to be terrified. So was this workable at all? Well, maybe with tweaking and with, with, with consultation. I mean, if to be reasonable, if you have a child and you think that child has gone down a slippery slope, and you have suspicion that the child is mixing with the wrong crowd or getting into fights or getting into assaults or being assaulted, well, then you you have to trust that if you have uh, an offline, if you want to call it, discussion with your local community guard who would keep an eye out for that child and see who they're with and be able maybe to redirect them uh, from getting in deeper. This because is, once they're in, they, they won't get out. Um, the, the, we're talking about this bill um, that's come to pass. Is it? The, it's the criminal, uh, it's engagement of ch- children in criminal activity, but basically whereby kids um, are recruited into gangs. It's obvious. Yes. Like, like how difficult is that to prove, Sally? 
pretty hard, I would say, because again, you're depending on the child's evidence or the juvenile's evidence, and they're not going to give it unless a lot of um, surveillance and intelligence is used by the guards to to see and be able to prove that. Because if a child was to give evidence against the gang, their life wouldn't be worth living. And they know that. The support after crime services, Sally, will you just briefly outline what it is that you do? Like, I mean, when when you're dealing with children in or teenagers in, in difficult circumstances or that have been engaged in antisocial behaviour or crime, where, where do you come into play in that? We come in with the victims, Andrea, the victims of those crimes. So what our service is, it's, it's a free service funded by the Department of Justice um, where somebody can come or be referred uh, to the service by the guards or by self-referral to talk about the effects of crime or how the crime has Mm -hmm. affected them. So we're there to let them work through that uh, if it comes to court, accompanying them to court, and uh, if it comes to the preparation of a victim impact statement, we will help them with that. It is a very good service. It's free, and people really yeah. appreciate okay. to have a safe place to come. And w- w- when you say you don't think that this will is achievable or will will reach its aims unless parents are also held to account, what what is a, like? How do you want to see parents held to account? Are you talking about some form of custodial sentence? Are you talking about financial a fine? Like, what does held to account actually mean? Well, I'm not. I, I, I'm not going to put the penalties on it. I leave the powers that be do that. Um, I wouldn't see custodial sentence because of probably another lot of younger children. I would just like them to be aware, and by being aware, you can address it. Um, if there's financial loss to a victim, yes, it has to be the doctors and got back somewhere hit the pockets of those who are okay. causing the problems. Okay, I'm, I'm interested, Sally, in, in, in getting a couple of different voices um, on your views and I, I appreciate you joining us today. Stay with us. 1800 453 106 is the number. I mean, you're listening to Sally Hanlon there. Do you agree? Councillor Hazel de Nortoon is on the line as well. Uh, Hazel's in, in Ballymun. Hit the pockets of the parents in, in some cases, Hazel. Like, what's, what's your reaction to that? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm in Ballyferm and not Ballymun, but that's, that's not apologies, um, not all. Um, so it's just to speak on probably what I would have been working with community services, youth services, Garda youth diversion programs, who would be dealing with young children, um, maybe young teenagers around antisocial behaviour. Um, and I think what Sally's suggesting, why while I understand and I recognise the importance of having the voice of those that are at the other end of the antisocial behaviour heard, I think that's really important. Um, I think, first of all, the parents are usually made aware anybody anyway because if the services step in or the guards step in, that's one of the first protocols that they would do. 
Also, if you're working with the youth services, they'd say that they'd be looking for more funding from the state to get the funding restored for family support services. So say if there's a young lad who's engaging in some antisocial behaviour, those services can then go in and work with the whole family. They might identify if there's needs within the home, if the mother might need some support around how to kind of structure the family's needs. There might be siblings that'll need it. Because if you're taking just a child standalone that's maybe in a bit of a chaotic situation and you're just working with them, if you're sending them back home again and those services or structures aren't there, then you're kind of losing all of that piece of work that you've done. So it seems to be far more effective if you have that family support. Um, and that would be kind of based around the early intervention piece. Nobody wants to see it get to the stage like that where a child is lashing out or thinks that it's normal behaviour to probably engage in some activities that then do escalate with peer pressure and everything, you know. Okay, um, so where it does, Hazel, and, and where to use Sally's example where you have, you know, a, a young teenager who isn't working or a child, basically, uh, walking around in really expensive runners that you didn't give them money for, they're not working, there's no explanation as to how they have this clothing um, involved in X, Y and Z. The guards have knocked on the door. Is Sally right? Should the parents then be held accountable? Should they have to fork up for the the money that's, you know, whatever, out of stolen goods or whatever? I think if you were looking at maybe a um, sensationalised situation there, if you're thinking that a parent probably, if that if that child's even lucky to have a guardian, if that child's even lucky to have somebody that will step in that will take that responsibility um, around the child, there could be many different reasons that a child is in that situation. Also, if you were to engage with, a, I say child, because they are the probably young teenagers, if, if that particular situation you're talking about, it's, you have to build up trust with them as well. And the guard isn't going to be an avenue that they're going to build up trust with. You're literally talking about like the likes of the family-based services and you know the Equine Centre in Cherry Orchard that I've seen doing great work with engaging with and identifying children from a very young age, they can see where this is going and they've been reaching out for a long time now to the state to say, give us the funding and we will use it in a more productive way rather than if you're looking at like custodial sentences or the effects of antisocial behaviour has in a community and they can direct that funding to catch that child before it gets to that. And I think that's where it'll be far more effective. How you then turn a child around who's already been groomed into a gang and has gone down that road, I don't 100% have the... Uh, the answer today because I think mm. that's a very niche and it's a very complex situation. You'd need like a lot of services involved in that. But one of the instances that I did see and one of the, you know, the stuff that we would have happened in Cherry Orchard over the last while was children that are involved in that antisocial behaviour were identified from a very young age and those um, referrals were made to state agencies, whether they were TUSA or whatever they may be. And their waiting list for so long, but that child was never met. So then it kept going on and as the older that they got, they missed more services, more, tra- um, you know, milestones. And you could literally look at the casework that they have in these services and they can show you how this pattern keeps repeating itself and going over and going unless they have the ability to intervene within these families mm. that can be identified to stop this behaviour. Christy is with us on the line too, Hazel. 1800 453 is the number. Um, you're a retired Garda, Christy. I mean, you've, I'm sure, knocked on many doors over the years. But what's your view on this idea of, you know, parents being held to account for their children's behaviour? Yeah, to a certain degree, I think that they should be. I mean, we we know there there is an issue with antisocial behaviour at the present moment, and we see it in the large urban areas, uh, both here and other places, like in Dublin and places where you have uh, groups of youths maybe roaming in the streets, uh, involved in assaults or criminality in one shape or form or another. A lot of them are very young people as well, and some of them get caught up in gangs and sale and supply and drugs and all of that. One of the things we need to look at is kind of a restorative justice type uh, as opposed to just thinking about the harsher, more uh, penal type uh, justice system 
what would be taking people to court. I think a restorative justice system where it would be compulsory uh, on parents to attend, uh, you know, uh, a gathering of whereby the victims are there. And I agree with Sally, and I agree with the previous commentators there. Hazel, They've all yeah. very made first. Yeah, they made very salient points in relation to all of that. And we agree to have a combination of all of those things. But again, it comes down to funding as well. And restorative justice is, you know, where parents will have to make the crime and explain to them, why was your child doing A, B and C? Where were you when your child was... Now, depending on the environment the child is growing up in as well, I mean, there's a whole load of factors that have to be looked into in relation to um, a child's upbringing as well. How kids are peer pressure from the other kids as well and uh, gangs too. Just when I'm trying to reconnect there, Sally, with, with, with Christy, like, does that happen? How frequently does that happen that, you know, you have parents will, will come along, will, will be there? Like, I would imagine, I would have thought it was, was common that parents would be there for the court hearings, engagement with victims. In the restorative situation, yes. Uh, we don't have children's courts here down south. They're more confined to Dublin. Obviously, there are child uh, juvenile criminals here, but they're in dedicated criminal courts. So, uh, yes, they will be there. Somebody would be there with them. But again, sure, it's out the door and away. And I was listening to Christy there and to Hazel, and they've made excellent points. You know, so if if all those points were taken on board before the bill was written in or put into law, well, then I think there'd be a better bill and there'd be a better outcome. Is there a certain age, Hazel, where parents, you know, should have... Like I'd imagine the the responsibility for their children up to the point of, of 18, but, I mean, being held to account, is there a certain age at which that should happen up to? Well, I'd say legally it would probably be until they are in the age of 18. Um, but it, again, comes down to all of those smaller factors. And it is usually, if you're looking at, like, as Christy had said, they're about a gang of kids. They are very young, usually, that are going around. And that is worrying if we can't get in and give them spaces that they want to socialise in or whatever it may be. Um, you could talk about this subject in, in longer terms. But um, I think the age group that you want to catch them, that if you're talking to like the guards, you're talking to youth services, is you may catch them up to 15 is where you can really penetrate and try and catch them between the 30 and 15. And if you can get them in and around there and even give them the skills to either it's around, um, you know, emotional behaviour. Mm. It's about looking at prospects if there's something going on in the education system that they're not engaging, giving the services outside of that. There's all of the, there's a lot of stuff that's written on this. There's a lot of solutions to it. I think it's just getting behind it. And we do have to because of the effect that it has on societies is very damaging. Quite a few parents and callers looking to join us here on this. It's 1800-453-106. Just, Christy, on a final point for the moment, um, some texters suggesting that there should be much more, you know, something in in the region of like community service effectively for for juveniles um, in certain cases. How common is that or does it happen at all? Yeah, it does, and and the courts are very much uh, to the fore in relation to community service orders. And I do agree yeah, community services are very are, are all well and good, you know, and and for the perpetrators of certain crimes. But we're talking about children here, and we're talking about the the, the parents and, and 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 their guardianship of the child, and 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 the rights and wrongs. And I think until we get to the core issue here, 
which is a lack of investment in youth and community projects, lack of investment in, in the services that we require to help to keep kids away from those type of uh, that type of criminality or antisocial behaviour, and also to imbue in parents who have children who may be going astray that we can get them in and, and, and in time along with the parents. The tributary. Okay. Look, I'm interested in, in your thoughts on this today. Um, quite a number of messages coming in on it. This listener says, I run a shop and whenever there's trouble, I would always go to the houses of the parents and it would stop the trouble. It does work. You just have to be nice about it. But if you sit them down, have a cup of tea and chat to them, uh, it is quite helpful, according to this texter. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. 1800 453 106 is the number. We're asking, should parents be held accountable for their children's behaviour? Really interesting. It's off the back of the comments there from uh, Sally Hanlon. Sally's the head of Cork's support after crime services. She's concerned that um, the bill criminalising the recruitment of children into gangs won't achieve its aims unless parents are also uh, held to account. And a lot of interesting contributions there from callers. Um, Merck is with us on the line today. Do you think it's it's important that parents are held to account? Hello, everybody. Yes, um, uh, I do think that uh, up to a certain age of child, parents are only um, the uh, people who are growing child with good behaviour, correction, teaching and leading child where parents wish the child would go. But I see that... Um, with uh, schooling system, school is uh, playing big, big part in child's life, especially after age, let's say, uh, six, seven. And what I what I found uh, having three children, and um, the, the subject is very extremely interesting because my eldest is ten right now, and once they come up to the preteen age, they do love their freedom and stuff. But what I found uh, after three years uh, homeschooling, I found the biggest um, input um, can be contributed by parents in a child's life pre. So I believe um, uh, cure, um, cure is harder when child is already involved in the crime situations. More important is to um, prepare child for growing up and making right choices. And school plays a much uh, bigger part in children's life than it used to be before. But because of the lifestyle right now of families, of uh, uh, breaking down in marriages, uh, children are kind of left um, uh, into the schools and schools are taking big part of the time and educating children what is right, what is wrong, what sort of relationships children have around. Many times parents do not know. Mm. Parents are working, working full time and most of the families, both of them working, it is impossible to see exactly everything what's going on in child's life once child is spending six up to even some yeah. kids up to six o'clock um, in the school. So many times child uh, doesn't have that family input as okay. child is growing, where the big the biggest frustrations are coming, I believe, from age nine. When child starts to see that the world is changing about around, it's not all about him. And he actually has some certain freedoms of choices. And if parents still have that um, little input, because then secondary school comes, and secondary school is even making kids even more busy in academics, in the books, 
where this is not truly life we're expecting for our children. Okay. So I believe the parents' input is limited by schools. Yeah. Okay. And school and is taking so much of the of the responsibility. Claire was with us as well. Um, Marcus, stay on the line. Claire, you're you're a parent of of five. Um, what's your view on this? Should parents be held accountable for their children's involvement in antisocial behaviour? Yes, I do think that they should be held responsible. But like it, it, Andrea, it is not a one size fits all solution because you know I'm sure everybody out there who has brought up children will know families, the nicest of families who have had one child that was led astray or, you know, had practiced antisocial behaviour or even worse, got involved with, as we used to say in the olden times, the wrong crowd. In those situations, I think, where the parents are very enthusiastic to work with the authorities, um, I would be loath to blame them because it's not always the parents' Mm -hmm. fault that children get into trouble. Being a teenager is bloody tough now with social media and all the other pressures that they're put under and sometimes children get in with the wrong crowd because they're cooler and it's a protective way of keeping themselves from protecting themselves from being bullied but children who are involved in criminal behavior who have been groomed either by a member of their family or somebody close to them yes in those situations which are much more difficult for the authorities, then I think that the parents should be held responsible. Because if your son is cycling a 5,000 euro bike and wearing 500 euro runners and you didn't give him the money, where did it come from? Would you agree with that, Thomasina? Um, yeah, yeah. Like Claire, I have five kids myself, you know, and um, I would agree with, with uh, Claire what she was saying about, um, you know, uh, the uh, apologies, <laughs> but anyway, no, sorry, uh, I'm babbling. Um, okay. I have my, I have a 17-year-old son, and I have a I have a 13-year-old son. So, like, I I look at the two of those, and the 17-year-old, I don't think like a child over 16, they can do they can do make their own decisions. They're old enough to make the right decisions. Um, and I, I don't think that parents should be held account- accountable for older children because they are old enough to make their own decisions, technically. But for the younger children, definitely, um, you know, you should have control over where you should know who your kids are hanging around with. You should know who, you know, and if you see that there is something like that, you can go to the guards or Tusla or somebody for help. But, um I, I, I'm not sure about what what it would achieve for to hold the parents accountable. Um, in in all cases, in some cases, fair enough if there's a clear case of like neglect or that sort of stuff. Mm. But but when you when it comes to um, parents who are trying to do the right thing, I don't think it there's any justice in um, in holding them accountable when they're trying to do the right thing. You know, so it, I suppose it depends on a case by case basis whether you know the parents should be held accountable. So basically, or not. if it's your seventeen, we'll just say, for example, in the case of your older eldest son who's seventeen, you know that they're yeah. old enough to effectively, if, if if you commit the crime, do the time. But the thirteen year old, that there is a responsibility yeah, that falls back on the parents. You'd hope that you'd have enough influence in your children's lives that they would take the right path, but I know that's not always the case, and it's it, like it's it's quite common that's here in Ireland that complex you know, and yeah, yeah, you know, but um, but you know, when, when like say my thirteen-year-old, if he does anything wrong, he gets grounded, um, and he gets held in and kept away from his friends. But I know who his friends are, 
you know, if he was to go out on the street and like that, come back with with a Canada Goose jacket or something like that, of course I'm going to be asking, where did you get that from? You need to give it back. You know, um, you, you can't imagine like your your thirteen year old son, but it does happen. Yeah, it's happening yeah. here in Ireland, and it is happening, and, and you can see it um, with with kids in certain areas and stuff. So um, it's just, I suppose, what is the right thing to do? Do you agree, mm-hmm. Brian, with this as well? Like the parents need need to be somewhat held to account. Oh, uh, parents! There's no parent in the country that wants their child to go down the wrong route. All parents start off wanting their kids to do as well as they possibly can again to stay out of trouble. But you know, no, we're not given a manual about how to go and reach your kids and no. give them first to start off. And because of that, okay, there's this assumption that oh, if it's gone wrong at the age of thirteen, well, then it's the parents' fault. Quite often, parents mightn't exactly know how to go and sort of raise kids, how to go and talk to them, especially if they haven't actually had that experience themselves, mm. um, haven't been raised in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way that sort of allows that sort of communication to occur. Uh, and uh, just to reflect what the um, counsellor said, I think it was Holly had said earlier. Hazel, you know, yeah. Hazel, sorry, yeah, thank you. There's, a, there, there's an environment as well here. I mean, if there isn't the supports for parents because there just aren't the social and sort of uh, uh, public services available to go and help parents raise kids, especially if those kids have other issues going on. I mean, my own son, you know, had a, we had a two-year period where he was just having awful trouble with school and it was because he had dyspraxia. Now, what was, I'm lucky. I've got the means to go and get him assessed privately and once we had that, we were able to go and work through it. But a lot of, there's a lot of uh, communities that that isn't available. Uh, mm. uh, kids become disengaged to kid from school because they're having difficulties. No one, no one can explain to them. They can't explain to themselves. And they just sort of end up sort of uh, losing contact with those um, adult figures that might actually be the one help them, especially if parents don't actually know how to go and deal with those issues. So it's it's an easy, quick fix to go and say yes, parents should be held accountable. But there's always a far more complex situation yeah. going on that isn't just for it isn't just starting teenagers. It started long before that. Paul is with us too. Paul, you've been listening to the discussion today. What's your opinion? Yeah, it's unfortunately in some of the areas that we live in in, in North Dublin. The parents just don't give a toss either way. I mean, you can talk for hours and hours on the radio and people saying, oh, you know, the poor children, this or the poor children, that the people don't understand them. If the parents are not held accountable from an early age, well, then the kids where we live just ramble out the door at 8 o'clock in the morning, come back at 12 o'clock at night, and as long as they don't bother the parents, that's fine. Do what you like, where you like, and intimidate as many people as you can. And they just grow up in that. And no one really cares. So, you know, we're, we're, we're always, we seem to be going around in a circle in, in these estates. What would you, how would you, or what, what way would you describe accountability? Like when, when, when Sally Hanlon talks about, you know, holding parents to account, in your mind, what form should that take? What is accountability for parents? Well, we've often spoke here, accountability, if people get council houses and they're let do what they like in the council house, there's no, first off, if, if the people that are in the house are not accountable for the state of the house or the, or the condition of the house or, you know, the, the look of the house or keeping it to a, to a some sort of, um, acceptable look on, on in the block. Surely the council then would have to say, look, if you don't if you don't live by a proper means or the proper a, a proper state of living, well then that's the, that's the start of it. And once the parents are kept in check, no, well, you, you'd want to see some of them. The, where, I've been onto the council five or six times. Parents they just come out eleven or twelve o'clock at night, dump the rubbish out in the road, and then the council have to pick it up the next day. And it could be there for five or six days before the council arrive. But that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of areas that people in North Dublin are living in, where the, the council, you get a house off the council. 
and you're left there, you go 30, 40 years, you walk away until you, until you drop dead and then we'll shove somebody else in. There's never anybody goes to check on the type of it's certainly it's 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 certainly a point to come back to for for another day for sure, Paul. No doubt about it. Um, I have a text in from a listener, and I, I want to read it out. It's actually it's from another Paul, I think, as well, uh, who's got in touch to say I've worked in this area for decades, and unfortunately, things are actually getting far worse for many children. There's a numerous reasons for this. Um, Councillor Hazel de Nortun is right. We need far more early intervention with children and their families. If that was to happen, it would help greatly. But we also need far more guards in the street and real consequences for those that are repeat offenders. The whole issue of illegal drugs is impacting in all of this too. Many young people get involved with the sale of drugs as it's such an easy way to make money. I believe if we made all drugs legal and they were sold through chemist shops, this would take away the, ga- the gateway to crime that now exists and that didn't years ago. Gordon DePaul, don't know, we don't know what sector, but certainly says he, he works in this area. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.